Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. Hey now, my name is Nigel. Tony Kennett from the Daily Signal joining us here, filling in for Jason Hammer. The Biden administration has done it. They've admitted it. They've said what we've been saying for years. Uh, there's going to be an increase in border crossings. Whoa. When Title 42 ends. Title 42, of course, the protocols put in place by Trump. COVID hit, it kept out, and immediately deported illegal immigrant, immigrants. But yeah, it's getting ready to end. And even Biden and the administration is now saying, eh, well, look, we're going to ask the Supreme Court for more time to phase this out. So they, want, they do want to phase it out. They do want to say, yeah, it's been years since we've been talking about the crisis at the border, but it's only been since the midterm elections, Tony Kennett, that the mainstream corporate media has been talking about it. Of course, my theory is that they didn't want to make the Democrats and Joe Biden look bad uh, ahead of the midterms. They didn't want to just, they wanted to whistle past the graveyard up Mm. until that. And now they're actually doing their jobs and covering what a disaster it is on the southern border, especially in places like El Paso. And and it's one of those things that really aggravates you when you remember that through the entire Trump administration, he was lambasted over and over for kids in cages and just the, the sheer horror down at the border. How could someone be so insensitive when there are thousands flowing across the border into the United States, many of whom have told media that will come up and ask them, have you spoke to any border officials since you've been yeah. in the country? No, we just we just came right in and we're just flooding into the country. Citizens and communities on our southern border are so overwhelmed, even Democrat mayors are declaring states of emergency yeah. for their communities. They did it in New York. They have doofus mayor. Like the, like when, uh, who was it? Was it the DeSantis that sent the bus load of uh, migrants? To- Abbott sent the bus load to New York. New York. plane loads. And then DeSantis sent Martha's a plane Vineyard. load into Martha's Vineyard. And they were like, whoa. Call the National Guard. Couple thousand? What, you know, even Washington, D.C., that the mayor there was who who is the mayor the Bowser yeah Bowser like I mean we who have voted what? to be a sanctuary city we who are going to oh, green and posture they all love sanctuary cities they all call for universal health care until free health care for illegals to be a sanctuary Dude, city Tony ah. the the, the biggest example I could come up with is is last week or the week before, (laughs) Gavin Newsom from California, who months ago was calling for free health care for all that come to California legally or illegally. Now he's down at the border singing a different tune. Now he's requesting funds from the Biden administration. Now he's he's criticizing the Biden administration administration for busing uh, uh, loads of illegal immigrants when before it was just DeSantis and it was just Abbott. During the 2020 election, I was promised that we were going to get what's called smart border security. There were going to be drones, and and we were going to have like this really high tech. We didn't need a wall. We didn't need to reform the border systems. We didn't need to supply all of our customs enforcement agency centers. What we really needed was this cool, smart, and they kind of painted some really cool utopian vision of the border. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
what have they been doing for the last couple of years? Oh, Where's all the of this really incredible border 2.0 stuff? I mean, for God's sake, in his first 100 days, Biden wanted to halt deportations, stop the border wall. He's using all the woke tools in his arsenal to make sure as many illegals cross the border as possible. Ending Title 42. I know he's asking of the Supreme Court for more time, but they want to get rid of Title 42. Well, it's a uh, COVID they, measure. It, yeah, of course. There, there needs to be a plan to replace Title 42, this health protocol. He's doing everything he can to end the remain in Mexico policy. Rolled back ICE immigration's enforcement. Um, he's cutting funding for border security, mm, yeah. and he's, well, he's done he's, everything he can. He's cutting, forting, he's cutting funding for some kinds of border spending, but we'll get to that later in the yes, show. <laughs> exactly. We'll get to that in just a second. But this Biden request, the administration... Uh, you remember, Chief Justice, it was Roberts that halted a lower court's decision that ordered the Biden administration to wind down Title 42 by today. Right. So now the Department of Justice and the Biden administration is asking more time to wind down that program, all but admitting and realizing, yeah, this was a bad idea. But you're right. They don't have a plan in place. And, and this plan that they don't even have in place is is not just <laughs> affecting the, the migrants at the border. It's not just affecting uh, people like that. Sometimes I think that people in the Midwest think of the border as just some abstract concept. They don't realize that these communities, they do not have the infrastructure. They don't have the resources to hold Dude. that many people. I mean, literally the basic Nothing. necessities, people that do want to help. I'm part of a lot of uh, different groups on social media that are uh, Christian groups that do a lot of charity towards these areas. Areas that, that really go into these communities that migrants have flowed into. They said, we are overbooked at capacity. We're literally like taking basically some of the clothes off of our backs to hand to people. There's just so many, even we coming down from neighboring states, we can't even begin to help a fraction of these people that are being allowed to stream into the country. Um, And some of them are being trafficked. Let's not forget. Oh, I mean, some there, of them, there are a some large, of them- large margin. Large margin are, are being trafficked, but don't worry about it, though. The the ones that aren't being trafficked, uh, the White House says people just can't walk right in. The White House has said this. In fact, I got audio right now. White House Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre. Oh, she's KJP. so stunning and brave. I want you to listen to this clip. Here is, here is this is her either yesterday or the day before, talking about how, yeah, people just can't walk right in to this to the country are you kidding kidding me and then right after she says that is a clip of uh msnbc reporter uh reporting from the border it is not that simple it's not just that people are walking uh, across uh, across the border we were even able to see as of last night a lot of migrants just crossing and migrants i spoke to this morning saying they haven't had any interaction with u.s immigration authorities they just walked right in it's an amazing clip the White House press secretary. It's not as easy as just walking right in. Cut to MSNBC of all corporate Where outlets. Where the former press secretary of the White House yeah. went to go and work. Exactly. And now they're reporting people are just walking in. I just And you mentioned trafficking earlier. It's not just that as awful as it is already, and it's really horrible that yeah. children in the, the Ugh, sex trafficking trade it. from the South and Central America makes my blood boil, but also the hundreds of millions of doses of fentanyl that are pouring across the border as well. This is not just a national security threat. People on the left want to talk about humanitarian crises. This is a picture-perfect example of a humanitarian crisis. Meanwhile, it doesn't seem to be any plan 
to uh, strengthen and uphold our southern border. No. We do have a plan to send $400 million for border security to Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, among other places. Yeah, Tunisia is one of those. It's like, yes, when I woke up (laughs) this morning and I looked at the National Review and I flipped over to the foreign policy section, I was concerned about one thing and one thing alone. Our relationship with Mexico, Central and South American countries as we face the migrant crisis. I am not a foreign policy expert. So, I know this is shocking, I do some reading on it. You know what border I'm not concerned with? (laughs) Tunisia. (laughs) I do not care about Egypt's border security problems. That is not any way, shape, or form going to affect how the day-to-day American lives. Again, no plan for the southern border. 14, as many as 14,000 migrants waiting in Tijuana to rush the southern border as soon as they can when some of these policies end. Meanwhile, we're spending $1.7 trillion, this omnibus spending bill, this year-end spending bill they're trying to shove through before the end of the year so everybody can go home and celebrate Christmas. $400 million of that used for border security in Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, like you mentioned, uh, some other places. $150 million is being used to help Jordan alone. Mm-hmm. And the big, the big spender, boy, number one, takes the cake, $45 billion in military aid to... Ukraine. And this isn't just like fresh tax dollars from your pocket to Ukraine. We are bleeding our national ammunition and fuel reserves for our military dry. Experts are now warning that we are reaching precipitously low, dangerously low levels of ammunition storage. You can't just crank that off in the day in a factory. That takes years to replenish and to restock. At a time when China is threatening all of our Pacific interests, at a time when there is violence happening in Central America and Southeast Asia, I would kind of like to have a little bit of ammunition in the stockpile, wouldn't you? I would too, but you you just need to slow your roll a little bit there, Tony Kennett, because I heard the clip at the top of the hour that WIBC Newsroom played of Mitch McConnell, Senate Minority Leader, saying Americans are all for protecting Ukraine. They are interested. It's in our best interest to protect and defend and send billions of dollars to Ukraine. Now, we weren't on the air when you heard me, uh, when you watched <laughs> me hear that clip. I, did I respond in a, in a very warm and affectionate tone? He said, Three things, right? He said, number one, that Ukrainians were brave. He said, number two, that Ukrainians were innocent, meaning they don't deserve to have their territory uh, infringed upon. Both of those are correct, by the way. Both of those are very correct. One lady at our church has adopted several children from Ukraine. I've spoken with her on uh, very long occasions about the crisis over there. Those are both true. Then he said, they deserve our military aid and support. Hang on. What goes on in Ukraine is not necessarily my financial or military business. And to insinuate that I have a responsibility as an American citizen to fund a war over in Ukraine, where, by the way, we don't know where the dollars are going. You have no no. idea Uh -uh. where the receipts for what's being spent. These are dollars going off into the ether, and we're finding out some shady things as as cryptocurrency markets rise and fall. That's it. I I don't think Mitch McConnell, regardless of anything else, party affiliation, any of that nonsense, there is no way that you speak for me in saying that some country somewhere else deserves my dollars. Nor can they show how it's of uh, national security interest uh, for us to send not only money and billions of dollars, but Patriot missiles which Russia could look at that and say, all right, this is probably, uh, this is this is on a different scale. This is upping the ante a little bit. Right. And this is not something that I would like to escalate at all with those people. 
Don't watch it, pervert! You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, bro, you mind putting on some pants? I find it a little weird. I have to ask twice. Our 93 WIPC. That's one of my favorite things in the world where these woke, progressive Hollywood directors have to apologize to the Twitter mob. They have to bow down. I don't know if you heard the story yesterday. Tony Kennett's filling in for Hammer. I'm Nigel. Steven Spielberg had to apologize uh, because he thinks that Jaws uh, was a big part of the decimation of the shark population back in 1975. Quote, I truly and to this day regret the decimation of the sharks because of the book and the film. The one thing I still fear, that sharks are somehow mad at me for feeding frenzy. <laughs> Sharks are somehow mad at me for the feeding frenzy of crazy sport fishermen. The author of the book, by the way, has also said that if he could go back and write the book again, he would not. He would not do it. This was from yesterday. And again, they're giving themselves, they're so delusional and narcissistic, and they're giving themselves way too much credit here. Shark experts have all agreed, or it's... You know, Jaws did not have that much to do with the decimation of the shark population. Does this mean that Jan DeBont, who directed the movie Twister, is responsible for like <laughs> hating Twisters and, and, and loving storm chasing? Is that, is that the, re- the direction that we're going on right Everybody now? Everybody that saw Twister that wanted to be a storm chaser that has died, subsequently you uh, are owed an apology and probably a monetary settlement because of that movie. Oh, I need to start storm chasing. That's what I know. But we, we've also seen you know the director of love actually classic christmas movie now apologize because there's not enough diversity what What? in the movie i mean he feels so bad that that you go back 22 years to watch love actually there's too many white people too too much a whitey if there's not a disabled south polynesian (laughs) lesbian who goes by the name afric james then it's it's just not diverse enough um uh, we've been talking about about this week this uh, movie called the whale from darren aronofsky which it stars brendan frazier as a teacher with he's just severely obese uh he's grieving a death trying to reconnect with his teenage daughter right and the actor wore a fat suit for the role and it's met with much criticism online from the Twitter mob. It says that it's fat phobic, how it depicts, depicts this guy. And it should be a real obese person playing this role instead of Brendan Fraser. I mean, it, it, uh, if, if, the, if the movie depicted, I guess, being obese is a good thing, okay? But it, and even, oh, mean, are you kidding me? Hollywood depicts obesity as a positive thing that's in this, the, but that's, this day and age. But that's the point. Like, he's, he's clearly obese in the film because yes. he's grieving and he's dealing with all this stuff and yeah. as every bit of psychological and physiological evidence shows that the number one question like the number one yeah. thing you should be asked when going into therapy is is what is your diet like what is your sleep routine like because those two things affect everything physiologically and he needs to be played by a fat person oh just the absolute disregard for for now, Aronofsky, kind of science. I will say Aronofsky hasn't apologized. He's bewildered by the oh, controversy. Oh, he's bewildered? Thank yeah, God. So he didn't apologize. He didn't one bow down to the One small ray of light. I got one more here for you. Plan on going to see Avatar, the new one? The, the way, uh, the water? I any, mean, any interest at all? Space Dances with Wolves, which is what I called the first one. <laughs> I, I mean, it. Yeah. I don't get the obsession, but I mean, yeah, I'll probably get around to watching oh, it eventually. Oh, there's a boycott. There's a boycott being called right now. Okay. James Cameron's Avatar, the way, the water. Take a wild guess. Who Who's calling? for a boycott of this movie. Well, I would say it would be Native Americans, but that's not true because the vast majority of individuals that I know in both both tribes that I'm I'm friendly with as, as a member of the Cherokee Nation, mm-hmm. uh, I'm guessing it's really some white girl in, in Portland, <laughs> Oregon on behalf of Native Americans. Uh, James, uh, James Cameron's Avatar. 
calling for boycotts from Native Americans and indigenous groups for oh, cultural appropriation and for promoting the white savior complex. Oh, so it's the the blue skin thing? I, I, I forgot how the, much well, that we appreciate blue skin it, and Native it, American it's, culture. It's, it's interesting. This goes back to when James Cameron said he opposed building some hydraulic dam in the Amazon. Uh, back in 2009, 2010, he said that, and that's what led to the displacement of the Lakota Sioux tribe, which also in turn led him to writing the original Avatar, right? And so back then, um, he suggested that the tribe that was displaced by building that hydraulic dam should have fought a lot harder. And again, this was this story is what led him to write Avatar. Uh, so in a tweet Sunday, the Navajo co-chair of Indigenous Pride Los Angeles said, quote, oh God. Avatar was a horrible and racist film that must be boycotted. Our cultures were appropriated in a harmful manner to satisfy some man's savior complex. No more blue face. Lakota people are powerful. Uh, the same Lakota tribe that massacred 18 different tribes on their taking of the Black Hills in South Dakota. <laughs> So you know the, the same name? the same Lakota tribe oh who's gosh. responsible for the genocide of over ten different tribes in less than two hundred years if their history is to be believed. I'm sorry, his humanity is filled with oh, a brutal please. history yes. of violence of conquering people. There is no innocent dynamic that I'm somehow responsible for by going to see Avatar. Is that really <laughs> where we are? Seriously, at this point, get out of here. Entertainment Weekly ranked all the James Cameron movies, not including the latest. Avatar, I'll give you the top five. Number one, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Fantastic. Two is Titanic. Three, Aliens. Four, The Terminator, the original one. And then five, The Abyss. If you uh, have not seen The Abyss. You need to. Incredible, Seriously. incredible James Cameron I would have put Aliens over Titanic. Wow. Okay. There you go. I just what I don't know. Titanic just seemed a little overblown for me. Maybe it was that back then I had to pop out the first VHS tape to get <laughs> yeah, to the second, the second one. one. It's a lot Kinda of work. Kind of takes it out, you know. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Nigel Show, 93 I'm Nigel, Tony Kennett, Daily Signal filling in for Jason Hammer. You tweeted out something interesting I, I wanted to ask you about, uh, talking about helping teachers leave the Indiana State Teachers Association. Before we get to that, just give us, uh, people might not be familiar with your background in education. Just start from the beginning, where you've been, your resume, where you've worked, and where you are now. Uh, yeah, I've taught in a lot of different uh, schools in, in Wisconsin and Indiana, taught in Knightstown, taught at Lawrence North. I was the science administrator at uh, IPS, directed science over there for a bit uh, before they let me go for uh, exposing critical race theory and some other shenanigans going on in the district and uh, ran chalkboard review education publication for a couple of years. And now I'm the uh, investigative columnist over at the Daily Signal. I think one. I think one of the things you were called in uh, at IPS for uh, in the HR department was appearing on Tucker Carlson. Was that uh, was that an egregious mistake on your part? They were very was- very upset. There were emails being sent in <laughs> that I didn't mention their names at all on the segment. They said I didn't yeah. agree to be put on Tucker Carlson. It's like, sweetie, no one put you on Tucker Carlson. But <laughs> so yeah, funny. I was I was called in to address that. So. 
your tweet earlier so that's your background in education education journalism and you write for the daily signal now you're an investigative journalist you uh wrote these words on twitter today or yesterday today i helped my 200th teacher leave the indiana state teachers association that's two hundred thousand dollars annually no longer going to teachers unions tell me about that tweet yeah, so in Indiana, the largest teachers union, there are a couple of them, uh, but most are members of the ISTA. That is the Indiana State Teachers Association. It's a branch of the NEA run by Becky Pringle, and it costs $1,000 a year to be a member. And uh, they usually deduct that right out of your paycheck, so you never even see it in the first place. And they provide all kinds of really helpful services like crickets and that's about it (laughs) and so i've been encouraging a lot of teachers in private conversations especially because all it seems like the ista is doing these days is sending you emails and flyers telling you to vote democrat telling you to vote against certain school board candidates and uh, Hmm. basically feeding you a bunch of political nonsense instead i encourage them to leave that union that does nothing for them and uh, to work closely with parents in their communities and you get an extra thousand dollars a year in your pocket what would what would they say they do maybe what would somebody that supports a teacher's union what would they say the benefit is they would just humor me here for a minute if i ever get sued or i ever were to get fired then the teacher's union would have my back uh which is not true because the ista uh does reject a lot of certain situations they really don't touch a whole lot the ista doesn't ever threaten action on behalf of a teacher they supposedly negotiate salaries with the district although they haven't actually been successful at negotiating higher salaries at almost any district in the state of Indiana. They seem to be particularly silent on a lot of schools spending money on useless programs and projects. Are the unions here, the teachers' unions, and, and I want to be clear, this is clear difference between teachers' unions and the actual teachers. I'm actually talking about the um, state association itself. Yes. Even a lot of local union heads are wonderful people that are also getting fed up with a lot of the garbage really? the state association is sending them. Yes. Uh, so my question is, how powerful are the teachers' unions here as opposed to radical leftist cities, heavily blue Democratic cities like like Chicago and in, in, in the state of Illinois or Washington, D.C. or California? It seems like they have a lot more pull. Um, you know, no, these kids aren't going back to school during COVID. Oh, wait. Oh, oh wait. You're going to make them wear masks? No, they're still not going to school because they don't have the vaccine. Oh, wait. We get the vaccine first. It seems like there were certain teachers unions in districts across the country that were more, more powerful than others. I mean, why would you compare Indiana to other states? It it depends on what you mean by power. So as far as politically, they are very far on the left. As far as actual institutional power in education, they have next to none. I mean, they can threaten a strike, but it's not really going to do very much, if anything. They mostly just organize rallies and tell their teachers what to believe, and they pressure the ever-living snot out of the legislators during uh, the legislator during um, sessions. Uh, Governor Holcomb invites them over to his you know governor's residence. He doesn't invite any other experts in education over so really they hold kind of a weird figurehead education power philosophically do they so you know you run for the school board it's supposed to be nonpartisan you don't see an r or a d next to the person that's running when you uh, go to vote do the do the unions position themselves openly as democrats even though you know that's kind of the policy for um school board elections 
I mean, they we saw what's her face hanging out with Joe Biden, saying he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, the who's the Randy Weingarten? Yeah, you know, the, she's the obviously of the partisan AFT. and a Democratic Democrat. Well, and and Becky Pringle is incredibly oh, far God, to yeah. the left. It's ridiculous. Yes. So they are very open in what they do and don't support. I have a tweet from ages ago. It's this horrible PowerPoint poster that was I, I still hanging in an, a forlorn IPS break room talking about all of these evil things Republicans were pushing and they were very open against the things like private schools and like religious freedom these horrible mm. things that, that the Indiana Teachers Union don't really care for and uh, they're very they're very open in, in being for the left donation wise like 99% of the millions of dollars that they throw out in donations a year go to Democrat campaigns. So we'll keep it here in Indiana because lawmakers are starting to consider the, um, well, a parent, uh, you know, a, a parent's rights and education legislation, much like they passed in Florida. Remember this uh, earlier this year um, in Florida? They, I mean, it basically restricts teaching of, of sexuality among young children. Democrats referred to it as uh, wrongly so the don't say gay bill. Of course, the Indy Star has labeled it this Indiana version the don't say <laughs> well, gay bill. Well, they can't read, so you have to forgive them <laughs> of that. They're 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 quite incapable so, of reading three pages of legislation. And it has nothing to do with saying gay. It it only applies from kindergarten through third grade in terms of the one I'm talking about in Florida. But Indiana's looking at similar legislation, and people again are up in arms about this. And I'm like, hey, look, can you just leave my kids out of out of you know gender identity and sexual orientation up until a certain grade at least please that's true and and can by we, the way there there are st- no legislators that are arguing that argued in Florida during their HB 1557 the quote unquote so called don't say gay bill that if a, let's say there's a, a first grade teacher in Florida and he's gay and he is talking with his students and he said so when I went home yesterday I saw like maybe a math example a word problem he said I handed my husband three apple pies he ate one of them how many does that leave is this the school going to bust in and say, you said my husband, that's gay, get out of here. No, that's not going to happen. No one is arguing for that. They are saying you are not allowed to talk about sex and gender identity, a subject far above what K through fourth graders should be talking about in school. And that's exactly what they're considering in the state of Indiana. And good on them. It's about time. Well, I mean, look, you've been covering the the situation at where in Pendleton? Uh, yes, the, the South Madison Community School Corporation in Pendleton, where the the you know the gender orientation policy is that if the parents aren't supportive of a student's desire to transition, then you don't get to tell them. The teachers have to lie to their parents. Um, do, you, do you have any updates on that? Because you covered that at the school board meeting. Yeah, um, so I watched that school board meeting. I watched Dr. Hall, the superintendent, as well as Jack Sandifer, the school board president, uh, be very blatantly dishonest with parents, yeah. try to pin this whole thing on a non-discrimination policy due to U.S. Department of Agriculture funds uh, in relation to giving students lunches. It's like, well, we, we have to just treat lying to parents about uh, what a kid's pronouns and name are like we would treat a student who just wanted to be called Jeff instead of Jeffrey, which is so stupid <laughs> and, and such blatant dishonesty. Do they think we're all stupid? They yes. must, because yes. that's the dumbest thing I've you ever should, heard. You should, hear what, you should hear what a lot of administrators say about you when the doors are shut. It is extremely venomous. We just covered a story in Texas where a school board didn't know that they were on the microphone. And we're talking about one parent who was concerned about her son being bullied, yeah. that they were going to take a cup she had left at the meeting and they were going to shove it up her butt. And they were caught on the mic. 
Um, in New Jersey, let's go to New Jersey here uh, real quick because um, it's um, unfortunately it's the return of the mask in the Jersey. Return of the mask. Who are you? Return of the mask. See the flu. Return of the mask. We know just what. One of uh, Jersey's largest public school districts requiring masks, Tony. Um, due to rising COVID-19 cases, Passaic Public Schools, 14,000 students, K through 12, uh, you're putting a mask on, even though the science is there that says these things really don't normally work. Maybe if you have a KN95 and maybe if it's fitted properly and maybe if you don't take it off for hours at a time, but I guarantee you ain't putting one on one of those things on a first grader. And the cloth ones that you buy from China, sure as hell don't work. And and like, studies have been shown. I'd like to take a moment and, and really throw this to all of our early childhood teachers and daycare workers right now in the state of Indiana. You that are driving home right now, or maybe you have this on in the background of the daycare, just, just a moment to you. How did your kids do wearing those masks in your classroom, in your daycare centers, and yeah. in other places? Did they wear the masks correctly? Never. Or was it an absolute chaotic, nonsensical fest? Oh dear, who's your child educators? Because from what I saw... Uh, kids didn't care. It did absolutely nothing. In fact, it may turn out to have been a more unhealthy experience. Yeah, very detrimental. Than anything else, not to mention the pain towards kids with speech impediments. That's damage we'll never see reversed. Big victory for uh, Attorney General Todd Rakita. Won a f- legal fight against President Biden's COVID vaccine mandates. Uh, court struck down a rule requiring vaccination for anyone working for federal contractors. Quote, Hoosiers and all Americans should have the liberty to make their own decisions on whether or not to get vaccinated. That includes individuals who happen to work as a federal contractor. No one should have to fear losing their jobs just because they opt against getting a shot. Another victory for Funky Todd Rakita. And while, as expected, COVID cases are on the rise, Tony, That's true. here is a Christmas tribute from Hammer and Nigel Records. The twelfth day of COVID my country gave to me. Twelve nurses masking. Eleven doctors freaking. Ten restaurants closing. Nine patients wheezing. Eight ventilators. <laughs> Seven hands a-washing. Six feet a-parting. Four latex gloves. Three kids homeschooled. Two nasal swabs. And it's all clear for COVID-19. Ah, yes. Another classic from, a holiday classic from Hammer and Nigel Records. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Tony Kennett is filling in for Hammer. Let's give away some concert tickets right now. Skinnerd, Skinnerd, and ZZ Top. Uh, Sunday, August 20th at Ruoff Music Center. Caller 9-239-9393 gets a pair. Uh, I'm looking at the forecast here, Tony. And so, so we're at about today's high, thirty nine forty. Tomorrow's high, Thursday, about forty one. Okay, all right. Um, until the afternoon, and then the temperature will basically. <laughs> well, to give you an idea, the high Friday is four. <laughs> the high of Friday is four. 
Ah. So we're, we're hovering around today's high at around 39 or 40. Same for tomorrow. But then Thursday afternoon, it's, it's going to rain for most of the day tomorrow. And immediately after the rainfall, it's the cold front and 30-mile-an-hour wind gusts oh, and good. the chance that any rain on the ground is going to freeze and turn into solid ice. And then the snow moves in, dropping anywhere from 3 to 5 here in central Indiana. And if you're up north, maybe 4 to 8 inches uh, throughout the overnight hours into Friday. You know, there are only a few moments of my life where I'm thankful that I'm not Matt Bear. That might be <laughs> it. That The traffic that will Man, come out of that sounds horrible. It does. Uh, of course, hopefully not a lot of people will be out on the roads. I mean, Friday especially is the, you know, the Friday before Christmas Eve, the eve of Christmas Eve. So hopefully not a lot of people are going to be out on the roads. And we're going to have complete coverage for you tomorrow and all weekend long. Everything you need to know. We'll get Marcus Bailey from Wish TV or... Uh, meteorologist from our news gathering partners on tomorrow to tell you exactly what we can expect. So, but just know again tomorrow uh, tomorrow's high is forty one, Friday's high four, oh. Saturday's high twelve. Tons of wind gusts, three to five inches of snow, and uh, who knows what kind of damage in terms of the power grids, or in, 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 um, if you're going to have power or not. i got to bring some firewood into the house tonight, not even going to lie. Um, let's go down to Florida real quick, because they're, they're in the middle of some sort of uh, Arctic freeze here. And they've had this warning, and we've talked about this before, they've got a hard freeze coming down in Florida. And all the iguanas tend to freeze up that sit there in the palm trees and fall to the ground. And they have to warn people down in Florida. I've seen this happen. Iguanas get into the transformers down there, and whole blocks of power, whole city blocks lose their power because these, these iguanas get into the power lines. These are giant creatures, and they're non-indigenous. Yeah, they're so, huge. So, so when they're cold-blooded, so they start to get sluggish when temperatures fall below 50. They freeze, fall to the ground, and then Florida warns people actually... Do not pick them up. Do not throw them away. They will come back to life once it starts to warm up. I would pay good money to hear a meteorologist get on the TV <laughs> down in Florida and go, and on Friday, a slight chance of lizards. Uh, yeah. Make sure you're watching your head. Hey, uh, Guy Relford is live in studio. Exactly what happened at the Greenwood Park Mall and the, pol and the uh, police press conference today. Uh, we'll have an update for you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock! My name is Nigel. Tony Kennett from Daily Signal here, filling in for Hammer. Also, Guy Relford, Second Amendment attorney and licensed firearms instructor, host of the Gun Guy Show, joining us live in studio. You're at City Hall uh, in Greenwood. There was a press conference concerning the Greenwood Park Mall shooter uh, and what happened July 17th. Just before we get to this press conference, what it entailed, what we learned about the deceased shooter, can you maybe just take us back to that day? Your client is the hero that stopped the shooting guy, and I wonder if maybe just just kind of reset what happened that day. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it, was a, it was a Sunday. It was, you know, a day like any other, you would think, at the Greenwood Park Mall. It was toward the end of the day. It, everything really started unfolding 
at 5.56. Mall closes at 6 on Sundays. But this shooter, and I don't like to name these people. They're, they're after notoriety, and I don't choose to give that to them. But right. this shooter had gone to the mall, um, took two rifles and a handgun and a backpack. They were clearly broken down. The Greenwood police today released a, a still photo of uh, the guy walking into the mall with a backpack. But he went to a restroom right off the food court and stayed in this restroom for an hour, and uh, literally an hour, because they, they have the video. They can time it. They're not sure what he was doing in there. But he emerged uh, just before 6 o'clock, 5.56, and uh, walked out of the restroom. There was a, a gentleman walking into the restroom who had just separated from his family. And, and I was able to see the whole video of the shooting today as, as Eli Dickens' lawyer. The, the police uh, were gracious enough to let me see the entire video today. And uh, the gentleman separates from his family. His family goes to find a table in the food court. The gentleman's walking in to the bathroom, goes to walk into the bathroom. And, and just as he's doing that, the shooter's walking out. Mm. The victim is on his cell phone, uh, actually was legally armed himself, but uh, had no reaction time. I don't care um, oh if this guy gosh. was a member of SWAT teams or, you know, SEAL Team 6, I should say. Uh, he wouldn't have had any reaction time. He, he he looks up. There's a guy with a rifle. He gets shot and killed. And he and the victim was armed? Yeah, oh he, he was armed, but he had wow. absolutely no opportunity yeah, sure. to, to do anything other than see this guy, and, and wow. it was over. The shooter mm. then emerges from the bathroom and, and shoots at a couple who were seated in the food court having a meal, kills both of them, fires a couple of apparently more or less random shots across the food court. Didn't really appear to be aimed shots. Uh, and at this point, and a, a total of, of 15 seconds from the first shot, Eli Dickin, my client, and his girlfriend are having a meal at the opposite side of the of the food court. He's, according to Chief Eisen today, Jim Eisen from the Greenwood Police Department, uh, Chief said today he is 43 yards away. So almost half a football field. Eli hears the shots. He uh, is able to, to understand what's going on. He pushes his girlfriend down to safety. He draws his gun. You know, he was carrying a Glock 19, 9mm handgun, draws his gun from a holster, uh, actually leans out around from a, a, a column that was right there next to the table where they were mm -hmm. eating. So he actually shot from a position of cover, as we say, and shot four shots. He shot two, actually had to pause. This is so amazing to watch. Uh, he, he shot two shots, had to pause because screaming people are running across his sight picture. He has to pause, allow people to run past, to, shoots two more shots, uh, hit the guy twice out of four shots from 43 yards away. Wow. The, the bad guy then is trying to get back into the bathroom. He's hit. He's trying to get back into the bathroom. Uh, Eli then uh, emerges from cover because he can't see the guy from the angle he's at. Uh, closes to about 20 yards, shoots four more shots, hits the guy four more times. All four, four. more times? Incredible. All four. Then the guy is Incredible. is now trying, still trying to get back into the bathroom. Uh, Eli closes to what I'd say maybe 25 feet or so. The guy's starting to fall, still has the rifle. Eli shoots him uh, the final two times. So Eli shot a total of 10 shots, hit this guy eight times. Uh, and, and, and this is under incredibly trying circumstances. Absolutely. Again, I, I've talked to trained SWAT officers who have seen this video at, there at the Greenwood uh, Police Department who said they're, they're not convinced they could have made all these shots. So I, I said at the press conference today, once I uh, I started answering questions uh, after the Chief's press conference, I said, you know, we use the, the term cool under fire. Uh, 
this gentleman was truly literally cool under fire as someone's firing uh, an AR-15. He he returns fire and uh, hit ten, eight out of ten shots and uh, saved uh, countless lives that day. No question. Do you comment as Eli's lawyer? Have you commented on or can tell us the training that Eli has in his background? Yeah, that's easy. Absolutely none. Absolutely none. Absolutely none. And uh, you're talking to a guy. Wait a minute. Who, no, no. What are you talking about? None. None. No, no formal like, training. I mean, no like, formal training. Like, but like he's like, going to a gun range, go out and to the range, no, or right. out to the backyard. Well, well, let me tell you. So the the and Eli's. You know, a lot of this is attorney client privilege, but Eli specifically authorized me to sh- to talk about all this on his behalf. But the very first conversation we had after the shooting, the very next morning, I asked him. I said, you know, so tell me about your training, man. You obviously done a lot of it. No, not really. Never never taken any formal training. Well, yeah, but when you go to the range, I bet you're really good. He goes, Nah, I don't go to the range. And uh, eventually, he said, "My," he said, "His grandfather, at like ten or eleven years old, taught him how to shoot, and that's really about it. The guy hasn't really done much shooting at all." And uh, and I got to tell you, I mean, you know me, Nige. My my dad retired not so long ago as a, a Methodist pastor, and. I got a theory about what happened that yeah, day. Yeah, I was going to say, it, if there's a moment it, for the grace of God to come it, in, this is it. The, 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 the hand of God was on Eli, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, but uh, but no, it, it, he dry fires a lot. And by dry fire, I mean with an empty gun, you line your sights up and you practice uh, making the gun go click because it's got no ammo in it without the sights moving. So you can put your sights on something. I, I do it all the time. I do it with light switches. I'll put my sights on something little, like the actual switch of a light switch, and try to, to hold the gun completely steady and make the gun go click on an empty chamber without the gun moving. And it's great training. A lot of training classes you go to, they they, they, they recommend that you do a lot of dry fire practice. And Eli's done quite a bit of that over the years, but very little actual shooting uh, to my to my great shock when he first revealed that to me. It's pretty amazing. I, I'm telling you, it's the hand of God. There's no other explanation in my mind. I'd call it morbid curiosity more than anything, but uh, I'm, I'm curious. I, maybe I've, I've seen Greg Price mention this on Twitter, what he was carrying. What was he carrying? A Glock 19, 9mm. Uh, and, uh, and, and get this. It wasn't exactly a pristine Glock 19. Mm. And if anybody doesn't know that gun or you're not familiar with firearms, it's a compact 9mm Glock. Uh, it's not real, real small, but it's smaller than the full size which right. is of the same gun, which is Glock 17. But um, it's compact. And and again, the, this first conversation I'm having with him, I asked him if he had a red dot sight, uh, you know, an optic. And uh, he goes, no, I didn't have anything like that. I, so you just had... The standard white sta- sights that came with the the Glock. Exactly. And I said, so you just had uh, stock sights. And he goes, well, not exactly. And I go, what do you mean not exactly? He said, this kills me. He goes, well, I had a motorcycle wreck a few, uh, weeks before the shooting, and I was wearing the gun in a holster on my right hip. And when I went down on the motorcycle, I sort of slid on the gun uh, and I, oh when I went down gosh. on the motorcycle and it kind of ground my sights up a little bit and I go what do you mean it ground your sights up and he showed me a picture right after he had this motorcycle wreck and uh, he took a whole bunch of the plastic polymer uh, off of the, both the front and the rear sight and uh, and so he he not only uh, only had stock sights they were pretty chewed up stock sights to, to, to add to that pretty pretty amazing and Tony's Tony's sitting here with with, with a wide eyed gaze and yeah. I'm exact, saying that because I, I have like nice tritium sights on I, my as, carry and that's, as do I I have red dots on several pistols uh, and and I I couldn't agree with you more because the reason I'm chuckling is because I had exactly that same look uh, on my face when, just, you, when he you told can't me that story it, but I mean it, it's you. you 
you have the firearm. I mean, you've seen the the entirety of the video. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I I'm sorry. Speaking as a, as a as a Christian in, in this situation, I I cannot say that there is any other explanation for that marksmanship than than the hand of God. Yeah, I, and, and true raw talent. And, well, yeah, and, and, and you know, and, and and that dry firing helps a lot. But I'm with you completely, Tony. I, I think that's the answer. And and I, I don't know if I'll live long enough to see it, but I think I think we're going to see something like the granddaughter of someone whose life was saved that day in that oh food gosh. court is going to cure yeah. cancer or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be something profound. One of those butterfly effect moments. And I'm he, telling you, I, I, I believe that in my heart. I really do. And your client has not spoken publicly about this. I believe he's sort of, um, he's, he's very reserved and I don't know that he ever will. How is he, you know, he took a human life, and right. there's still there's still you know things that you deal with as a human being that Absolutely. you know not only was you know other people died in this, but, it, but many more people could have died. Um, and, and, and you know, and, and Eli knows that, and and that's of great comfort to him, and he greatly greatly appreciates. I mean, the accolades, the thank yous. Uh, a lady came up to me at the the press conference today, uh, whose grandchildren were, were in the mall in the oh, food court. Oh my gosh! When the guy started shooting, and she 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 could not have been. Uh, uh, more sincere in, in wanting me to thank Eli for saving the life of her grandkids. And Eli appreciates all of that tremendously at the same time. And and look, I, I, I want to respect his privacy, so I won't even talk about Eli specifically. But yeah. I've, I've now represented six people over my 39 years as an attorney who have taken a human life, all absolutely justified, completely legal, and in fact, all of them were heroes. And Every single one of them has reacted the same way in that it's there's a conflict where when people sure. walk up and pat you on the back or people uh, want to buy you a beer, yeah. you know, and, 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 and people have sort of a celebratory attitude, um, there's a conflict there. Because you don't want to celebrate. You're living with the fact that you've taken a human life. And if you're a person, as Eli is and as every one of my other clients has been, a person who values human life, um, that's a hard thing to get past. It's a hard thing emotionally. Uh, it can be spiritually. you know. And, and that's why um, having the right resources and the right counseling and the people to talk to to get through that, because it's a big, big deal. And Eli's kind of a naturally quiet guy. He's a hardworking guy. Mm, yeah. Um, and he really just wants to get back to the life he had before all this unfolded. That's why he, he's adamant. He, he do, doesn't want to speak publicly, and and he may change his mind. He says for now, he may change his mind at this at some point, but but he may not. And uh, that's why he's wanted to, uh, to allow me to, to go out and, and sort of tell the story on his behalf because he knows there's an important message here too, which is that uh, there 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 are opportunities in real life despite what many would have you believe, that it's a myth where a law-abiding citizen uh, who's carrying a firearm can save lives. And that's what happened in the Greenwood Park Mall on July 17th. And and uh, people need to understand that when we start talking about limiting Second Amendment rights. Can you stick around for a second segment? Because I really want to get to the crux of this press conference today, yeah. what we learned about the shooter, what we still don't know. Guy Relford, live in studio. Let's hit a uh, look at traffic with Matt Bear. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Behold! The power! You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. 
My name is Nigel. Tony Kennett uh, filling in for Hammer. Guy Relford here live in studio. There was a press conference earlier this afternoon at the town hall in Greenwood having to do with the uh, the shooting July 17th at the Greenwood Park Mall. Of course, your client, Eli Dicken, was a hero um, uh, and killed the uh, would-be uh, the shooter who actually killed three people before he himself uh, perished because of Eli and his, uh, his shooting. What was the... Um, point of the press conference today what did we learn um just what can you tell us about the the press conference earlier this afternoon well really uh chief uh james eisen down there and uh, by the way i I think he's done a fabulous job I, i really think that he's been a professional um he's been communicative and what what he wanted to do was announce the conclusions of the investigation and you might ask why for a shooting that happened july 17th why are we just talking about the conclusions of his investigation now well they were waiting quite some time for the forensic examination both of the computer they recovered from the shooter's home uh, where that he put in an oven with a can of butane uh, that exploded uh, wow. But they were trying to recover information off the, the hard drive of the computer. But then also what even took longer is they recovered a, a cell phone, a smartphone that the, the bad guy had put in a toilet in the bathroom during that hour that he was in there. They recovered that phone and it was an iPhone that's locked. And they've been running it through the software. The FBI has been doing this to try to open that up. And after five months, uh, they still haven't been able to open that phone. And in fact, Chief Eisen announced today they have a they have a computer program that basically runs every conceivable combination through the phone to try wow. to open it. Mm-hmm. And that can just because there's over a million potential combinations, it can take literally a year. Because the way the iPhone works, you put four wrong combinations in it, it shuts down. So you have to restart the phone and then do the whole thing again, and then it shuts down again. So this thing, I can't imagine having that job, sitting in a room doing this for 12 hours. But at any rate, they still haven't unlocked the phone, but they have done a complete examination of this guy's social media postings. He he posted uh, a ton on several different media sites, none of which I frequent. Um, And so they've done a complete examination of what he posted, and they learned a lot, including the fact that this guy had a complete infatuation with mass shootings. Um, Mm -hmm. He had an infatuation with World War II and Nazi Germany. What's interesting is, and Chief Eisen addressed this today, he didn't so much express admiration for mass shooters or, or admiration uh, for Nazi uh, uh, Germany or, or the Nazis generally, uh, he was just a student of them and clearly knew a lot about mass shootings. He was talking about which ones did and did not happen in gun-free zones and why shooters select certain targets uh, when they want to do a mass shooting. But nothing that Chief Eisen mentioned today, and he and he drew this same conclusion, uh, mentioned that this guy wanted to be a mass shooter or that, that he looked up to the people or wanted to be like them. It was just that he was a student of them. And then the chief went through, and this is what leads me to, to offer perhaps some in, informed speculation as to what this guy's motive was. And that is, he went through all the life circumstances of this guy that were really uh, spiraling downward rapidly. His dad had just cut him off financially. He's being evicted from his apartment. And by the way, me going through this is in no way expressing sympathy for this guy. Well, don't, right. don't take right. it that yeah. way. You're just outlining um, the circumstances yeah, of the shooter's life. exactly. And so um, his girlfriend had broken up with him. Some It was some time before. Um, so um, it, it 
his brother who he had been living with, the brother took his own name off the lease. And this guy, um, he was 20 years old, uh, wasn't able to pay for the apartment. That's why he's getting kicked out. So all this stuff's going on. So here you are. You got a, you got a, a, a kid, 20 years old, who's got an infatuation with mass shooters. His, his, his life's in the toilet in a lot of different ways. I think he just, again, this is my speculation. Uh, people are free to agree or disagree, and I'm not saying this as an absolute fact. It's simply a theory that developed during the press conference for me today. Is this guy said, hey, my, my life's uh, in, in the crapper right now. I think uh, the way to end it is to go take as many people with me as possible. I'm going to go to a mall. I'm going to shoot dozens and dozens of people. The cops will eventually show up and and kill me, mm-hmm. and that'll 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 allow me to join the ranks of these these shooters that 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 I've studied for a while, and uh, it'll end my life. And I think he would have accomplished exactly that. I think he could have killed. He had still had a hundred rounds of ammo on him. He had three thirty round mags and whatever was left in the magazine that he was shooting from. Uh, so so. Clearly, somewhere around 100 rounds when Eli ended the threat. And so, but for uh, the heroism of Elijah Dickens, I think this guy would have accomplished what he wanted to, which is uh, which has killed dozens and dozens of people and then die in a hail of bullets from police officers. Um, can we? Can you stick around for a third break, Tony? I know you have a ton of questions. I do. Um, I'm, and, I'm chomping uh, at the bit. I, I know. So can, can you Abs- stick around for absolutely. a third break? By the way, man, I'm, I know I'm, you've been... I'm a, yeah, I'm a big fan of Tony Kennett, by the way. I'm hey, a big fan too. of Chalkboard Review. I think he's my second favorite fill-in host here on Hammer and Nigel. After you yourself. yourself. That humble push there. Everyone loves that. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here in the studio and to meet Tony. I'm a big fan of his. And so no, I'm happy to stick around. All right, we'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is going to be a great adventure. This could be a great adventure in sound. The Hammer and Nigel Show. 93 WIPC. Uh, Guy Relford, Second Amendment attorney, being very generous with his time this afternoon. You were at a press conference with the Greenwood uh, police at the town hall there today concerning the uh, Greenwood Park Mall shooting July 17th. Your client is Eli Dickin, the hero that stopped the shooter. And I know Tony Kennett uh, here filling in for Hammer has uh, some questions for you. Um, but just r- real quick, the press conference, we don't have a clear motive. Your theory, may you, this is your theory and yours alone, is suicide by cop. We know he had a very troubled past, not making excuses for what he did. No, but absolutely not. He was you know, in and out of Child Protective Service reports since he was 10 or 11. Right. Uh, again, not making excuses at no. all. Um, he was interested in mass shootings, but didn't seem to advocate for them one way or the other. Correct. Um, and he had had incidents with his girlfriend, including in involving a gun, but that was never reported to police? Correct. And I, I had not heard any of this until the press conference today, but Chief Eisen reported today that when they interviewed his ex-girlfriend, she said that he was frequently abusive physically with her, and that at one point had put a gun in her mouth, um, and obviously threatening to kill her. Uh, but that she never reported that incident to police mm. and didn't even share it with others who might have reported it for her. So 
you know, what I don't want people to to do is hear that story and think, aha, police had everything they needed to go find and arrest this guy because it was never reported. They didn't know about that until after Mm -hmm. the shooting. But there's there there is a bit of an interjection that I have to throw in here, and this is what concerns me because I'm looking at what uh, I'm looking at what Eisen stated here as far as his online the shooter's online activity. Again, we're not going to honor we're not going to give any kind of publicity to the shooter by mentioning his name on air. That's what, that kind of publicity is what they seek. It says that his online activity was marked by his usernames and email addresses, and I know is is his lawyer's only a limit of things that you can say, so I'll say it. I think that it goes past a long held fascina- fascination with Nazi Germany. One of his Reddit users usernames was the Greater German Reich. That's a little more to me, uh, just throwing this out here, that's a little more than just being a student of the Second World War. This is an individual who clearly, based on on that kind of, of username, based on some of the emails and things, I'm not going to, to talk about those things like the Dark Will Rise, weird, creepy email names and things like that. That sends a bit of a red flag to me, and that matters in this case because someone reported his online activity, his username, to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And oh, is that right? Yes, and you mm-hmm. said that yeah. the FBI had tracked that IP address down to, you said, an apartment complex? Yes, an entire apartment complex. The The IP address was for basically anyone using that Wi-Fi. Theoretically, somebody parked in the parking lot using the Wi-Fi of the, of the apartment complex matched that IP address. They couldn't match it to an apartment or to an individual. So here, here's here's where I would and just, you know, for, for the sake of actually doing a little proactive work with the FBI here is where I would suggest that it probably could not be a situation in which it's someone in the parking lot because if you can show the username on Reddit going to certain like you you I log on to Reddit on my phone in several different locations or I'm I'm logging on probably to that username more than once if I can find that IP address going back to the same apartment yeah. complex more than once probably not in the parking lot yeah, at that fair point in all seriousness but it didn't but it's not like he was posting violent rhetoric no, I mean we, obviously that, see that's that's where it breaks down if l- let's say I'm a uh, again I'm the farthest thing from it but let's hypothetically think that say that I'm a fan of Nazi Germany I I just think that Hitler's the greatest guy ever since Elvis or before Elvis out of quote and, content and, yeah, I mean, the I mean, NBC uh, Star uh, article uh, tomorrow. Sorry about that. No, that's all right. But let, let's just say I'm a fan of Hitler and Nazi Germany, and and I and I have a username that reflects the fact that I'm a, a fan of Hitler and Nazi Germany, um, and I post stuff about the historical uh, events around Nazi Germany. That doesn't They're, give the FBI like no, the warrant uh, to come and bother no, you. What, what do no. they do with that? They, right. they, it's not enough to red flag me. In other words, come take my guns away from me. It's not enough to arrest me. Even if you have trashy political opinions, that doesn't mean the FBI. I mean, we have people that are fans of Stalin and, and all of the crazy communist dictators well, that's that right. and, killed and, millions. And we have a First Amendment that I value as much as the Second or, or any other. So in all seriousness, I did not hear anything at that news conference today. And and, and that all that about tracking that IP address and all that, that was all completely news to me. I, I, in all seriousness, guys, I have no criticism over, on law enforcement on this. I, this is not one like the Parkland, Florida shooter mm-hmm. who posted, I want to be a professional school shooter, and the FBI was informed of that and, did nothing and didn't on follow purpose. up, right. where, where local law enforcement went to this guy's, I think it was his foster parents' home, something like 56 times because he was threatening violence or being violent, and they didn't do anything about it. This is 
dramatically different. I really, truly, uh, and I'm not necessarily a fan of all law enforcement. I'm a defense attorney. You know, law enforcement is often my uh, my enemy in the wild. Um, I have no criticism of law enforcement here. I really don't. Although mentioning reports here, you you didn't. It is mentioned that uh, CPS reports that a total of 12 child protective service reports were filed about the shooter uh, between the ages of 11 to 18. Reports ranging of allegations from abuse to neglect to drug use to right. truancy. Where he was the victim. The victim. Yeah, yeah. of course. And yeah. and it's it's in these situations that I, I feel it's necessary. Once again, I think one of the undue criticisms of, of Governor Holcomb, of which there are few, uh, <laughs> was that he said that Indiana needed to focus so intently on mental health in the next year. And I think that this case is a very, very good example of such, especially making sure that Indiana's child services are, are up to snuff, that they are better prepared, and that we have the resources to uh, again, I'm not expressing sympathy for the shooter. No. I am expressing sympathy for any child circumstances in which they are put in a situation of abuse or neglect or something of that nature, and that that's that's horrible. And the foster oh, care agreed. system, I, I know personally uh, for people, the, the foster care system is in disarray in the state, as well as uh, the a process to uh, adopt a child from the foster care system. It is, is completely upside down in this case. And I, I, I don't want to get away from exactly what we're talking about here, but I, I do want to ask you uh, another thing in terms of the video. That video that you saw in its entirety, none of that's been released to the public, right? We will never see that. Not that I, Not that I want to see something like that. Um, especially no. for the for the for the victims, the first three victims. But will we ever see that? Will that ever be released to the public? No, Chief Eisen. Uh, Dan, I mean, I, I don't. You know, I, I don't mean to speak for him, but I can repeat what he said, which is uh, okay. um, the the video is of, of people dying. Yeah. And out of respect for uh, those people and their families, uh, he he's not going to release the video. And I I, I support that one hundred percent. I completely understand that. And and but by the way, where is Eli's gun? It's in right. my trunk of my car right now. Is where it is. Is it as so scuffed up as you were telling us about? Yeah, is it, is like, while worn I, down? yeah, no. While I was there today, I asked the chief, uh, Chief Ison. I said, um, you know, now that you're announcing the conclusion of your investigation, because until the investigation over, it's evidence, and and I completely Absolutely. understand that. And um, he said, yeah, we can release that to you. We need something in writing from Eli to release it, because there's a gun, a holster, and a, and a pocket knife. A magazine and and six unspent rounds, and uh, and I I called Eli and he sent uh, the GPD uh, an email saying release this to my lawyer and so they released it to me so I I have the gun and uh, the unspent ammo and, and holster and a, fl- and a flashlight on the gun and his pocket knife and and, and, and yeah and I'll, I'll get that back to him as soon as I possibly can. And Tony Kennett here filling in for Hammer. Um, you are a, a marksman as well. You've been in the military. Um, how, I was a cadet. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. Stop, stop. Yeah, I'm not going to. No, 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 no. Oh, cadet? Just, just did, just did okay. cadet training. Yeah, I was definitely not. No, no, not a soldier. But I have spent a lot of time at the range. I spent a lot My of bad. time with, with a lot of other cadets as, as, as very well ordered and making sure that your marksmanship is precise, that your weapon is pristine. And you, as you can probably. It sounds well regulated. To about. Me. Yeah, that, that, very, it sounds well regulated. <laughs> yes, thank I, you. Yeah. Mm, always the shiniest. <laughs> of shoes. And but if somebody, when you learn about Eli, the hero in the situation, my not mouth having was, any training, oh yeah, my mouth was hanging 15. open. I've spent thousands of hours at the range. I've put untold amounts of money through the barrel of both of my carries, and I, I cannot imagine having made half the shots that this hero made. I and, and that is that is the reason that I'm saying making eight out of ten shots at the ranges with the speed and precision that he did uh, was 
incredible and 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 not just in 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 the human sense but i i definitely i personally and in my opinion i see the hand of god here moving uh, moving. i, in I agree and and I'll, I'll add to that because i agree with tony a thousand percent that one of the last uh, classes i took this year is the warrior poet society handgun class is a concealed carry class and the last drill and, and the instructor fabulous uh, nationally known instructor uh, named john lovell uh, last drill that we were going to do before the conclusion of the class, he said, now we're going to do what, we, what I call the Dickon drill. And he had a, a silhouette uh, metal target set out 40 yards, and it was a team drill. He divided us up into three groups of eight, and the drill was each person at a time, uh, one in each group, stood up, and they had to shoot from 40 yards away at the silhouette target, which is uh, you know, uh, half of a human being essentially, um, and the person, the first person, had to hit it eight times, shooting as many shots as it took to hit it eight times right. before the second person came up to shoot. And whichever group got through the whole eight people the fastest, each person hitting the target eight times would w win the competition. And I was the first one to go in my group. And by the way, somebody in this process talked to the instructors and yelled at him. Goes, he goes, hey, that's. That's Eli Dickens' lawyer right there. You want to do a Dickens drill? And he was all excited. He goes, no way. You're his lawyer? I go, yeah. Wow. So he, he didn't did, know. He goes, first of all, is this accurate? Are we? I go, no, because I had lasered it, and I said, it's 42 yards. He goes, hold on. And he ran out and moved <laughs> the target six feet farther back and uh, and ran back up. And I was the first one in my group to shoot. And I'm I'm the gun guy, for crying out loud. Yeah, right? Right. I'm a professional instructor. I've done competitive shooting. It took me 12 shots to hit the damn thing uh, eight times, and that was with nobody shooting back, with screaming people not running across my sight picture, from you know standing wow. there, you know calmly, coolly shooting. However, in a very I wanted well lit area, having all of the time to get your stance on the pistol perfectly correct. That's what gets me when 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 I practice a draw and I I do my thumb over thumb. That's just how I've I've always done it. It it takes a second to get in that that situation, and if it's and you know if it's off, if I don't actually have it in the right way shots are not yeah, just going slightly right. up or down they're going to the left or right that's right and that's a entirely different danger and i'm <laughs> exactly. I, I, that's why my mouth was just a game <laughs> uh, what a, it is just what an event it is and and you know and I, i'm sitting here chuckling not at you know the fact that people lost their lives or anything it's just a, not at just the um, amazing uh, uh performance uh under pressure uh that saved lives and that's what's beautiful about it you know we we, we don't want to lose track of the fact that three innocent people lost their lives and that's why nobody should be celebrating these events no. But there are dozens of people who are alive and breathing today because Eli not only uh, had the willingness and the capacity, but he had the, the bravery and then the ability to uh, to do what he did and save those lives that day. That's why I couldn't possibly be prouder to, to be his attorney and, not, and to speak on his behalf. Not to mention the thanks towards his grandfather for actually oh, yeah. teaching him how to That's how to point, properly yeah. shoot, how to carry and maintain a firearm. I mean, I, I think of my dad. Uh, I think of Mike out there in Henry County, who taught me very early on how to carry and maintain a firearm safely and how to be accurate, aim small, miss small, the old Patriot <laughs> right, motto. And uh, Which works. That is more than anything. That's what I reflect on is that's when the training becomes real. Yep. Give Eli our best from the show. Thank oh, you yeah, for absolutely. being so generous with your time. Merry Christmas, guy. And uh, you and I will be doing a couple of shows next week, but have doing a great a holiday. Of shows right before Tony comes in and that's does right. more as well. So, no, a great team effort. Uh, and it's great to be here with Tony and you, as always. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You set him up and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. We are gonna read booze news, cause it's really fun. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. Never to present booze news, booze news. Yeah. <laughs>
Uh, again, big thanks to Guy Relford uh, for coming in. Um, uh, if you missed that conversation, go back and listen to it at WIBC.com. Tony Kennett's actually filling in for Hammer. Real quick booze news here. Got about a minute. Headline from the Associated Press, Tony. Don't get drunk. Okay. UK government urges caution amid ambulance strike. Thousands of ambulance workers in the UK started a one-day strike today. The unions, it's up for 24 hours. It's a pay scale thing, right? Gotcha. Um, the medical director of the National Health Service in England advising people not to get, quote, blind drunk. It's the season of parties, he said, pre-Christmas. So do enjoy yourself, but obviously don't get so drunk that you end up with an unnecessary visit to a hospital emergency room. You might not have anybody to take you there because of this strike going on in England right now. I'm telling you, they should have come up with at least some some good holiday-themed puns. <laughs> don't go too much a-wassling. Uh, otherwise, what? your chestnuts means- will be roasting by the fire. I don't know. You can do something there that's clever You can to kind of tell everyone to be safe. And trust me. I know a bunch of people from England. They're not going to pay attention or heed that no. warning at all. More Hammer and Nigel show coming up next. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock My name is Nigel. Tony Kennett from the Daily Signal filling in for Jason Hammer. The way I figure it, man, there's two things the government's really, really good at. One. Sure. Best military in the world. Absolutely. They're so good at what they do. Military number one, and then a distant second. Actually, no, it's probably a close second. They're really good at spending our tax dollars. Oh, they're so good at spending every cent that I have. Oh, man, oh, man. Have you taken a look at this $1.7 trillion year-end spending bill? They call it an omnibus. I don't know why. I don't even know. Omnibus just means several different things included. Yeah, I mean, it's just this big uh, it's, amalgamation. It's like a Baptist yeah. potluck of spending bills. <laughs> so uh, I, I look at this thing, and we, coming up, have Casey Daniels from the Casey and Kendall Show. I'm sorry. The Kendall and Casey Show. My bad. Rob yells at me when I get that wrong. <laughs> She's going to come in and break down some of the some of the unbelievable pork that's in this thing. $5 billion in earmarks for about like 3,200 projects. But let's talk about two of the main ones. Of course, at the top of the list, the spending in Ukraine. Of course, yeah. That's all that we exist to do anymore is, is fund the Ukrainian war effort. As we have Zelensky... Uh, the president of Ukraine in the United States, flown um, in on an American plane. We um, went and we picked him up. We Ubered him over here. <laughs> he better leave a good tip. Yeah, no kidding. I don't want to hear with how we ferry everyone around in these fancy jets. I don't ever want to hear anything about us, about you and I having to reduce our carbon footprint ever oh, again. Please, the hypocrisy. I mean, you could go. We could do an entire hour on the utter sheer hypocrisy. Well, speaking of. These- of Hypocrisy. He's getting ready to address Congress again yeah. on our tax dollars. And ask for more money on top of the $45 billion that has been earmarked in this spending bill. $45 billion in military and economic aid for Ukraine and the conflict with Russia. Oh, but it's not just Ukraine that we're spending money on. We're spending $410 million, quote, for enhanced border security, end quote, in Jordan, mm. Lebanon, Egypt, and other places? Those don't sound like southern border towns in the United States to me. We can't even spend $4 million on <laughs> our own border, but we've got 410 million lying around yeah, to protect a, Jordan? I, boy, we are sending money hand over fist 
to protect other nations' borders. While hands East. and fists are busy swimming across, you know, the rivers in Texas to get into the United States. I, I, I mean, look, by, by Joe Biden's own admission, we're projected to oversee 2.6 million border crossers and illegal aliens arriving in uh, the United States around the uh, Mexico border next year. Yeah, but border it's- crossings in Egypt, that's got to stop. <laughs> We've got to, boy, get that 400 mil right now to Jordan. So, I, I mean, look at this, and, and we'll talk more about this here in just a second, but, the, you know, if those projections pan out, it's almost 7 million border crossers and illegal aliens uh, that have been apprehended at the border. Th- those are just the ones that have been apprehended since 2021 to 2023 under Biden. You know, um, when, I mean, that's like a couple of mils short of uh, New York City. I mean, these bills, these omnibus spending bills, honestly remind me of at the end of the semester, if an administrator was doing some kind of an Amazon run for a lot of the teachers, and you'd say, hey, let me know whatever it is that you need. Just throw something in there. By the end yeah. of that week, some of the stuff that would be getting thrown on that Amazon list, like an inflatable <laughs> beer koozie and like a Japanese eyewash station. And it's like, who's throwing this on there? That's That's exactly what's going on here. Only here it's a virtue. And one of the complaints is that there's not enough time to read exactly everything that's in this bill. There's like 4,000 pages, but it goes back to the old adage there. Uh, you've got to you've got to vote for the bill. You've got to pass the bill to find out what's in to it. To find out what's mm. in it, and Republicans, including uh, Senator Todd Young, will be voting for this thing through. Which is again a very poor, just a poor decision. I don't have anything. I don't have anything else to say other than that it looks like we're just capitulating with the Democrats just because. But then we're going to get around to the next election cycle, and these exact same individuals who voted for this bill are going to complain about spending. So meanwhile, we have this porous border. And uh, the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, says they seized enough fentanyl to kill every person living in the United States, and then some. They said this this week. Uh, this was yesterday. Three hundred seventy-nine million doses of fentanyl were confiscated by Fed by the feds at the beginning of the year. The current population of the United States is about three hundred thirty-two million. This is the kind of stuff. Like, I'm not sure. It, if people are taking fentanyl knowing they're taking it or uh, i bet most of the deaths most of these overdoses they don't know they're taking it they think they're buying some uh little pill of xanax on the black market it ends up being laced with fentanyl and boom you're done so uh, yeah i'm not really sure i don't i'm going to be very honest with you i have absolutely zero understanding about what it comes to taking fentanyl and and how people are choosing you know what it is that they're going after what kind of drug they're attempting to take uh, and, and the only thing at the end of the day is, you know, you actually see Ann Milgram, administrator of the DEA, saying that fentanyl is killing Americans at record rates. And yet I don't actually see Ann getting up there saying, look, we need to secure the United States border to quit. Nobody said it. Yeah. No. N- nobody in these positions of power from the, uh, from Mayorkas to the DEA uh, administrator to anybody has said, yeah, the problem is with the border. No. The problem, the problem is with China manufacturing this and coming through the southern border and killing millions and millions of Americans over the years. And that's not an overstatement. Milgram says many of them don't even realize they're taking what she said, quote, the deadliest drug our country has ever seen, end quote. Yet that's not enough to suggest that we might want to, you know, seal up the border a little bit, just, you know, duct tape it a little bit tighter there. Here's the thing, though. Biden has admitted that there's going to be an increase in border crossings when Title 42 ends and is actually asking the Supreme Court. This is big news yesterday because the Supreme Court delayed. He's the administration basically is asking the Supreme Court for more time to phase out those protocols put in place when COVID hit 
to keep out and immediately deport illegal immigrants. So mm-hmm. while he wants Title 42 to end, uh, he's asking for a little bit more time, which is an admission basically that yeah we're gonna see a bunch of people pour into this country and there's just there's no policy in place to actually shore up the united states immigration system it's an absolute mess it's a complete there's wreck. no plan no there's no plan you see the the footage from el paso a warehouse meant for maybe a thousand illegals packed in like sardines you know six thousand at a time they no. have no infrastructure they don't plan in place we saw the training video from the dhs it says yeah we we don't have the the resources to process these people they basically get a ticket and say yeah uh show back up at this date and that's it they are free to go well a number of individuals are actually saying that they've been spoken to by no one since they've come into the country they just you know just waltzed right in you know as we're actually playing a little bit later on the show but something that's really struck me at this point is how insane it is that we even have individuals who are in the two different departments that work with our border have completely different objectives the federal government can't even go down there to assess the situation because it's such an absolute bowl of spaghetti Fourteen thousand migrants reportedly waiting in Tijuana to rush that southern border as soon as that uh, Title 42 ends. Unbelievable. All right, we'll uh, get a look at traffic here with Matt Baer. My name is Nigel. Tony Kennett filling in for Hammer. It's the Hammer Nigel Show. Time for the side piece with Casey Daniels from the Kendall and Casey Show. I was driving in this morning and my mouth was agape when you were talking about this $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill. Mm-hmm. I, like I, Every time, I don't know why I'm always shocked by these things. <laughs> You're surprised. But you, Casey, man, Casey, was you were lift, listing off all the pork, mm-hmm. all the crazy earmarks mm-hmm. that are in this thing and, and where to begin. I, it's so I mean, long. I'm assuming I'm assuming at the top of the list is money for Ukraine. Yeah, 40, assuming... 47 billion for Ukraine. Jeez. But the bill also authorizes a Ukrainian independence park in Washington, D.C. <laughs> That's what we need. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a park. How there. many millions of dollars is that going to waste? Mm, it's part of the forty-seven way, billion. Just a side, just as a side note on the side piece, Zelensky uh, from Ukraine mm-hmm. in Washington uh, meeting with Joe Biden today, probably asking for more money. Yeah, well, he's like trying to convince everybody to vote yes on this bill so that yep. he can get his forty-seven billion dollars. Part, see, of, the, part a, of the one point seven trillion. But so far, you haven't really said anything that shocked me yet oh I mean, the really park, the park thing was like okay yeah you know there's gonna be parks and buildings and stuff mm-hmm. but so but but some of the other stuff i was like eh? okay so how about is this shocking to you 200 million dollars for gender programs in pakistan <laughs> for a gender equality fund <laughs> yes how that, about that shocks me but it doesn't it, how, sh- it shouldn't but it does you how know about what I mean? 335 million to prepare for an influenza pandemic including the use including the use of surveillance tools see no that's scary that's china type stuff Mm -hmm. oh is is there a possibility you have the flu put your face up to this little radar gun and we'll let you come in and buy groceries if Mm -hmm. you if you're negative remember when we had it were you here when we had to do that no. For COVID? Well, I know that there were a lot of we, restaurants you had to get your temperature taken before yeah, you could go in. They had a thing, and I, it's not as severe as what you're describing there um, in this 
package, but down in the lobby, it, it, like for like three or four months, March, April, May, June, uh, 2020, we, we couldn't go through the second floor. We had to come down into the lobby and stick our face in this iPad, and it took your temperature. Hmm. And if your temperature was, you know, ninety-seven or below, you had to leave. That, no, no, you had to. You could go to work. Oh, okay. It was like a hundred and one or something or above. Uh, no, that's not. They're not letting you in. Call the call your manager immediately. So if you wanted to be like call off that day, I know. Well, you just put like a heating pad on your face before say, you get scammed. Yeah, just go behind. <laughs> just go to the side and like rub your forehead real like vigorously like that. <laughs> and so, how uh, that's about crazy. Uh, no, that's that's wild. Also in this bill, four hundred. 110 million towards the border security for Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, and Oman. There was stuff like this uh, in another spending bill in March. This, uh, again, doesn't shock me. They're protecting Jordan's borders. Mm -hmm, Right. But they don't care that there's going to be millions. I mean, when all is said and done, some 6.9 million border crossers have have come into the country since Biden took office. Mm Mm-hmm. That one infuriates me. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and the, that the one thing infuriates is, me. It's it's like there's there's a drainage, you know, and we just keep sending more buckets down to collect more water instead of actually stopping the hole from draining. Uh, also, in this bill, sixty five million dollars for a federal building named for Nancy Pelosi. Oh, wonderful. Three point six million for the Michelle Obama Trail. Uh, oh. Three million for the LGBTQ Museum in New York City. There's going to be. Did you know that there is a office of diversity and inclusion in the House of Representatives? They're getting twenty six million dollars. So, so basically, I mean, these there are thirty two hundred different projects totaling about five billion dollars mm-hmm. in this thing uh, that they're going to be voting for. That a lot of Republicans are all excited to vote for, mainly because of the Ukraine spending. Mm-hmm. What well, Todd Young said yes on it. Uh, Two hundred eighty six yeah. million dollars in Title X funding, which funds Planned Parenthood. Uh, see, tax ma- taxpayer-funded money. I mean, mm-hmm. taxpayer-funded abortions. Uh, here's that's, a couple interesting things. <laughs> 25 post offices are going to be renamed. That's in this bill. Oh, cool. <laughs> There's also the word salmon is used 48 times in the bill. Salmon is in like the fish? As in the fish. $65 million going for salmon. $3 million going for bee-friendly highways. Bee, mm. as in the bug. Bee-friendly highways. So don't tell me you want to defend democracy, and that you. but at the same you time, know. you want to put all this stuff in a bill that gets voted on at the end of the year. It's like the trash can, you know? Well, speaking of it's defending... Like dump it all in there. Defending democracy, the bill gives $212 million to prosecute January 6th prisoners. Mm-hmm. That's, additional, that's an addition to what they've already spent, so... $11 billion to the FBI. Oh, hello, yeah. And we All just right. found out that the FBI was spending our money to censor via yeah. tweet, Twitter. They, they were flagging jokes mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter about the election in 2020. Over 4,000 pages long. Rob did the math, and I think you would have to read for two and a half days nonstop. How, wait a minute. How many pages is this, Bill? It's 4,155 pages. Oh, man. Yeah, and they release it at one thirty at night, and oh, then sure expect they them all to vote on it within 48 hours. Well, like You can't even look, read through it in that amount of time. You have to pass the bill to actually understand what's in the bill. Come on. <laughs> you know how wise 
Washington work. So are you in the holiday spirit? Do you and your husband and your uh, college-aged student get together at night on the couch and watch holiday movies? You know what? I'm really debating on whether I should get Paramount Plus so Why? that we can stream the Top Gun Maverick. Because when that video of Tom Cruise was released of him jumping out of the plane, yeah, promoting doing... his next movie, Mission Impossible. Yes, I saw that. Thanking people for going to see Top Gun Maverick. That was and wild. Then, yeah, wishing everybody happy holidays. It did make me want to see the movie. Do you have Paramount Plus? Well, I have Paramount Plus, but I purchased Maverick. It was uh, it was like on demand on Amazon Prime. You could either rent it or they give you the option to purchase it for twenty bucks. I really, I just, I, yeah, I watch it for you know, I, I, I. Right now you can do that? Yeah. Because it it comes out streaming tomorrow. I didn't know you could buy it. No, it it was streaming. I think it was streaming, but it wasn't for free. You could either rent it Mm -hmm. or you could buy it. I think I spent 20 or 25 bucks. I love the movie. I've watched it 10 times so far since since the summer, since it was available. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that was an option. So I have Paramount Plus. Yeah, I have Paramount Plus um, uh, mainly because of Yellowstone. We love Yellowstone. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that, uh, I I wasn't aware that it was going to be available via Mm -hmm. streaming Mm -hmm. if you own that. Well, I Wonder, I don't know what the price is if you stream it. I hope it's not twenty bucks, but um, well, that's a Christmas present in it itself. Just hey, let me ask you this real quick: mm-hmm. just because a movie, mm-hmm. a holiday movie, came out in the two thousands, uh, does it mean it, it can't be a Christmas classic? Because like, it came out because it just came twenty out, years ago, right? Right. Uh, I, no, I'm gonna give you a list. Yeah. of movies from that okay. time that'll put you in the you know you and your family in the mm-hmm. holiday spirit. And, okay. Uh, actually, somebody made a list. On top of that list is Elf, 2003. That's a oh, classic, isn't it? Is great it not? movie. Great movie. And it just shows you how old I'm getting when 2003 Elf is. Have I ever told you I met Will Ferrell? I mean, I did too. He was at a Notre Dame football game. I think it was a USC Notre Dame football yeah. game, and he was out in the parking lot, just you know, uh, he's a USC guy, yeah. drinking some beer like everybody else. And people were asking for his autographs, and somebody gave him the DVD of Elf to sign. Yeah. he signed it, and and I, I looked at him and I said, "How you doing?" And he said, "How you doing?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I'm like total Ron Will Burgundy." Just hit on me. That's yeah, right. he turned to Ron Burgundy. I yeah. met him in Austin. He was doing a press junket for Semi Pro, mm-hmm. and you know it's one of those things where you just walk in there and ask two questions, and and, and, then, and then he that's didn't it. want to be there. Well, he he, I walked in and I had like this blazer on with a T-shirt on under it. And mm-hmm. I remember he goes, "You DJs dress all alike," mm-hmm. and I go, "I know, hip, right?" He goes, "Oh, very hip." Very. Like he kind of, he was kind of Ron Burgundy uh-huh. again. Uh-huh. But uh, I remember meeting him. He did a liner for me, oh, and that's yeah, it was cool. so, so Elf. I mean, I mean that's a classic, yeah, right? It, even though it's two thousand three. Mm-hmm. Elf is a classic. I love Zoe Deschanel's singing in that movie. How about uh, how about a couple of these others? Bad Santa's a classic. Oh, is that a, no, are you, are, uh, you can no. do without the, the vulgarity. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean that it's okay. Love Actually is that a must watch for you yeah. and the college age daughter every year? When that one comes on, I stop for it. Yeah, I like <laughs> that one. That's a good one. Hey, uh, have a great Christmas. Okay, have an awesome Christmas. I'm, I'll yeah. see you next week. You're gonna be around next yeah. week. I think me and you are the only ones in this building next week. <laughs> You and me, huh? So, yeah, right. you we'll and keep I. we'll keep the place together and have, running. But have a great holiday. Yeah, have you fun, too. And we'll see you next week. Casey right. Daniels uh, here on the side piece. Coming up next, we're going to speak with Emma Jo Morris. She broke the Hunter Biden laptop story for the New York Post. She now works for Breitbart's political editor, and uh, she's got some new details, more information on how the government, the FBI, was involved in the suppression of that laptop, what they knew, when they knew it, and how they were working. 
working in concert with uh, social media outlets to suppress and censor. That's next, right after the news, 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is out. Tony Kinnon is here. So a uh, big Twitter dump this week. The corporate media completely ignored it. I mean, the headlines are huge. Uh, the corporate media basically ignoring the Twitter file drop that exposes the FBI colluding with Twitter. We're going to go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Emma Jo Morris, a political editor from Breitbart. She's been covering this from the beginning. And when I say the beginning, I mean the real beginning. She worked for the New York Post and broke the Hunter Biden from hell laptop story. Emma Jo, welcome back. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be back with you. Um, before we get an update on what uh, what Twitter and what the the latest file dump was, can, can we just can you take me back to the craziness of your career? I know we kind of did this before, but tell me specifically, was it Giuliani that gave you Hunter Biden's laptop, or was it a copy of the hard drive, or or are you allowed to say exactly how you came across this this piece of information? Yes, of course. It's all public, and I'm happy to talk about it. And yes, craziness of my career is a yeah. good way to put it. Um, so Giuliani, yeah, Rudy Giuliani was the first person, aside from the computer repair shop guy who originally had it, uh, Rudy was the first person to, to get it from him. He reached out to Rudy's lawyer, and that was how they got it. Um, and Rudy opens it up and sees that it's full of documents pertaining to the Chinese Communist Party um, and China in general. And so he brings in Steve Bannon, who is obviously, you know, the big China expert, especially on the right. Um, he is, you know, very focused on the CCP in his work. So he brings in, so Rudy brings in Bannon. And um, the way I got brought in was through Bannon. So I was friends with a guy who would go on to work with Steve Bannon. He wasn't working for Steve when I met him. Um, he was just a guy in New York who I was friends with, um, not working in politics or media. And he had a hobby of politics and eventually went on to go work for Steve. So Steve Bannon gets brought in by Rudy. This is about four years after I had made this friendship. I did not know Steve Bannon. Uh, but yeah, Rudy brings in Steve Bannon. They're talking about getting this out to the press. And my friend said, hey, you know, I have this friend who I've been friends with for years. She's now the editor at the New York Post. She's going to do a good job with it. You know, call her. And then I get a call from Steve Bannon saying, hi, this is Steve Bannon. <laughs> I have a story that's going to change your life. Um, yeah, no and kidding. Here we are. <laughs> and so, I mean, did you have to spray down the laptop? I would have taken a. <laughs> I would have. Yeah. I would have emptied a, ble- a Clorox, a thing gonna... of Clorox bleach wipes before you opened that thing up. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I know. It's... I wish. I wish I had some sort of like child, uh, <laughs> child filter on the thing when I was going through it. It's pretty raunchy. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, it was intense. I mean. It was really intense. Obviously, there's a lot on there, a lot of it not relevant to the news. You know, I wasn't interested in just humiliating Hunter Biden. Um, I wasn't interested in Hunter Biden actually at all. Uh, I was interested in Joe Biden. And if you look at my reporting 
it's only pertinent to Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't talk about anything having to do with solely Hunter, let alone his personal life, his sexual proclivity. Right. None of that is of any concern to me, and I don't think it's of any concern to the American people. I don't think it's newsworthy. Obviously, it's salacious. Uh, maybe you could be interested in it, um, but it's that's not, you know, I, I was wading through all of that to get to the stuff that I thought was relevant to the election, which is what I was reporting for. Absolutely. We're on with Emma Jo Morris, political editor over at Breitbart, formerly of the New York Post, earning a claim for the laptop from hell scoops regarding Hunter Biden. And uh, one of the things that's, that kind of hits me whenever I'm doing a lot of political research and writing stories in education is that I usually come across a piece of evidence that's just so damning as I'm reading it. It's like your eyes go wide, um, mm-hmm. almost like uh, in Ratatouille when the French guy's reading the will. I don't know. It's like his eyes get wider as he's reading it. It gets worse. What was that moment for you when reading this evidence? evidence, this information, uh, when you were looking at this laptop? Oh, God, there are a few of those moments, but I think, so the 10% for the big guy thing is funny because, so, you know, if your listeners aren't familiar with what I'm talking about, that was the infamous line that really made, like, that really stuck with with the public, I think. Um, The the 10% for the big guy? Is that what you said? Yeah, we were reporting on a deal with the Chinese uh, Chinese Energy Corporation, which is, uh, you know, basically a subsidiary of the Chinese Communist Party that Hunter was doing a deal with. Um, and uh, and it's going through the breakdown of, like, equity for the deal. And it says, it outlines, like, all the people who are getting basically a cut. And then um, it, it says at the bottom, 10% held by H for the big guy. Yeah. And I was looking at it, and, like, I was on the phone with my editor-in-chief, and we're looking at it, and she goes, oh, my God. And and I was like, I didn't even, it took me a second, and she was like, who's the big guy? And all of a sudden, she said that, and my heart sunk, and that was that moment for me where I was like, yeah, I bet oh, it my did. God. Yeah, this is this is this is killer. And, and so I remember the last time we talked to you, and we definitely want to get to why this latest Twitter dump uh, from Elon Musk and some of these internal documents that have been released are relevant from this week. But um, I, I'm really glad that you mentioned that you weren't really interested in all the the gross pictures and the the sexual stuff with Hunter Biden. What's really at stake here? What people don't understand and why this laptop is really important um, is exactly. Exactly what is on it involving Joe Biden, uh, him being compromised by uh, Russia, by China, maybe even by Ukraine. And um, I, I, I want to know if you if you think that um, because this information was suppressed, that, you know, in your opinion, I know you're a reporter, you have to kind of be objective about this thing. But could the election uh, have swayed the other way in 2020 if we had known what all was on this before <laughs> the story and the New York Post got banned off social media? Yeah, well, that's it. It, it really like metastasized into a scandal that I wasn't expecting. You know, I thought I was going and reporting about Joe Biden and his financial interests in various countries, and it turned into that plus, um, you know, a, a censorship conspiracy of historic proportions. So that was weird. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's um, listen, we we 
got, you know, the point of this is to expose corruption. Yes. You know, I thought I was exposing one element of corruption. It turned out to be exposing a number of elements of corruption. And albeit it's it's definitely had its uh, political ramifications, which, you know, it's hard to summon the rage when you think about what happened and who was involved in this and how how totally um, unjust and and disgusting and what a betrayal it was and all of that and how it impacted the election, which it absolutely did. Uh, but, you know, as a journalist, there's something to be said for um being interested in exposing corruption, you know, and if that is my, you know, I'm Canadian, if that's my raison d'etre, you know, if that's my purpose in my career, then then I've done that. And unfortunately, it has come at the expense, perhaps, of a totally fair election. I don't believe that it was. I really don't mm. believe that it was because of this, obviously, because of this. I'm not talking about ballot, whatever. I'm talking about censorship, Um and, and, yeah, I definitely think that that skewed the election 100%. And there is polling that shows that. But, well, you know, I did my job. <laughs> you, you did, and you did it well. Well, let's, if we can, I want to take a quick break here because I want to leave plenty of time to talk about what the uh, internal documents that were released on Twitter this week had to say in terms of the FBI working with the social media platform. Can you stick around for just a quick second, Emma? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Let's do it. Emma Joe Morris, a political editor for Breitbart. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Okay, we're back for a second segment here. Emma Joe Morris, political editor for Breitbart. She was working for the New York Post at the time, breaking the Hunter Biden laptop story. And uh, the first time we talked to you a few weeks ago, Elon Musk had just put out through Matt Taibbi, a journalist, um, internal Twitter documents and emails kind of showing what we all knew to be true, that there was definitely uh, suppression and censorship of your story in the Hunter Biden laptop. But since then, since we've talked, Emma Joe, you've probably learned a lot more about what was going on inside Twitter and how they were working with the uh, federal government uh, to suppress this. What did we learn this week and, and what has surprised you? Oh, yeah. I mean, this week was explosive. This was, um, in my opinion, uh, the worst revelations yet for wow. Twitter and for the U.S. government, um, because it showed that Twitter was really not a private company at all. Twitter was almost like a proxy or an extension of the federal government and of the security state. Um, why do I say that? Well, we learned that not only was the FBI working with Twitter um, as two separate entities working together to guide censorship of the New York Post and of legitimate and true reporting from the New York Post, but also we learned that Twitter was a hive of former agents. Um, Twitter had up to like 80 agents employed, um, and they even had their own Slack channel. It was enough of a group of, of FBI alumni that they had like a little clique inside of Twitter. And, you know, who were these people? These were not paper pushers and interns, okay? This was Jim Baker, um, who I think we spoke about the last time we yes. were on together, um, you know, deputy counsel of the FBI. So imagine this. You're, you have Yoel Roth, who is one of the chief censors at Twitter. He's the head of trust and safety. He's approached by the FBI. What do you do when you're approached by the FBI? You go to your lawyer. Okay. Yoel Roth goes to his lawyer. Who's his lawyer? FBI. <laughs> 
So imagine that dynamic. Imagine the big happy family that starts to, to form, which is what we got a glimpse of in this reporting, right? Is is they're all working together. They're all pals. And, you know, this is so corrupt because a company like Twitter, which is um, a platform for news, a platform for speech, sharing ideas, sharing information, um, you know, obviously has 300 million users, but also of those users, um, you know, they're members with outsized influence, like, you know, it's the main platform preferred by editors, right? So you have this company that's in charge of all of this communication, all of this dissemination of information there. They should have, if we had a healthy and functioning situation, they should have an adversary relationship with the FBI, right? Like the FBI should not have any sort of hand or any sort of friendship with a company like that. Well, that's what we were led to believe for so many years, right? That Apple and that Twitter and all of these Silicon Valley companies, Google, were working directly against uh, the federal government, local governments. If they were asking them for private information, they were supposed to tell them no and all of this stuff. Such a farce. Such a farce. Not only is that not true, but they were employing half the bureau. You know, so what we learned exactly is that it was actually the opposite of how they were portraying themselves. I mean, I can't speak for Apple, but we're talking about Twitter. It was the opposite of any of that. They have no respect for the First Amendment, no respect for the Fourth and Fifth Amendments. Keep in mind, Twitter also has functions like DMs where you're talking privately. You have a right in the United States of America to talk privately without the eyes of the federal government on those conversations. They took no respect for any of that, uh, no respect for any of those functions and and that role and they just essentially tossed the keys to the fbi um it was so disgusting so egregious and then you learn that the fbi was really like you know the, the journalists who reported this twitter tranche said use the word priming the fbi was priming uh people who work at twitter like Joel ross but listen i don't even buy that because somebody in his position would have been aware of the hiring uh, patterns of the company and would have been aware of who he's working with i mean at least jim baker right so it's like twitter as a company wasn't just like like a five-year-old led into an ice cream truck you know what i mean they were totally cooperating and you were one of the first to, to report on Jim Baker, who, from what I understand, was was actively uh, censoring what Matt Taibbi was putting out before. Mm-hmm. Like he was looking at the information Elon Musk was giving him before they gave it to Matt Taibbi on that first Twitter dump, which then you know Elon Musk promptly fired him. So it was it was yeah. you know suppression was going on all the way up until that first Twitter dump. It's amazing to me, and it's amazing to me that the media. Uh, uh, was more concerned about Elon Musk taking certain liberal journalists off its platform for a couple days than it was reporting this actual story that you guys have been all over and you continue to work on it. Emma Joe Morris, where can people find uh, more of your work? Yeah, um, I'm at Breitbart, my byline at Breitbart. I'm on Twitter, Emma Joe NYC. Um, and that's a whole different conversation. Listen, the media, that is something yes. else that we'll need to book another time for. Happy holidays. Hope to have you back on the show real soon. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. We'll be right back.